Welcome back to part two of this episode around District Heat, Heat Networks. I'm joined again by David Watson from the Heat Trust. Uh, our good friend Paul Hull, uh, Director of the Commercia Group and the Campaign Director for uh, Gasly Superheroes. And I'm also joined all the way from Austria, uh, Ingo Lusbrook, who is uh, at the AEE Intech. Have I got that right, Ingo? Perfectly. And please go and listen to part one of this podcast. And you can also see it on um, Beta Teach, which is on YouTube. And please like, subscribe, and do all, all that sort of shenanigans. Um, we were talking about heat networks in the first part. Now, Paul, before lockdown, you were out in Denmark. Now, Denmark's associated with a lot of heat networks, district heating, and especially solar thermal as well. Um, yeah. You were out in Denmark literally just before lockdown, weren't you? What were you doing over there? Well, I was, I was actually, I was fortunate enough to deal with, a, there's a company called Exodraft that makes fans for flues and stoves. And they do a heat recovery system for commercial and industrial settings. So I was out there doing some training. And then I was telling the project, there's actually a big massive building site beside them, which is going to be the new Facebook server. Which um, I was telling me the heat of the fake servers is going to be put back into the district heating system, which is going to feed the whole industrial site where they sit on, which I think is absolutely brilliant, isn't it? It's just like, it just sort of threw me away. But we're just, just a search of how much latent heat do we just not use in this country? We see it all the time. You know? And uh, there's, loads, there's loads of stuff we can do quite simply. But obviously, flu recovery is something that can be done quite, obviously not in domestic boilers, but in the commercial setting, mm. especially an industrial plant, flu recovery has got to be an answer. Because it's there, isn't it? It's going straight out your chimney. I know there's no such thing as free heat. But it's free heat, isn't it? <laughs> because it's going out the chimney. So I know it might cost you a capital sum to get it installed, but surely you put in a flu recovery system, heat in, in, if you're like a biscuit manufacturer or a bread manufacturer, it's going to save you some dough, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I bet you practice that one. So, <laughs> so, so people, people using Facebook in, in, in Denmark are actually helping to heat people. No, Facebook in Europe, mate. The whole oh, of Europe. Yeah. Oh, wow. So when you keep sending them funny cat videos, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're heating up the, uh, the industrial state. So um, it's brilliant. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm. I, mean, I don't know how they, they cost it or whatever, right? but I mean, it's, it, apparently it, it, it's a normal thing. And they, they, they're looking at utilising every piece of energy. They don't want to waste anything. Mm. And like, where we don't really give it a consideration, it's like, I mean, like, it's, it's, just, it's, it's like my girlfriend, like, she lives in a, block of flats the lights are on all the time night and day and you think well with a few motion sensors down the corridors there's no there during they go is at work but there must be like a hundred lights on all the time and thought well this is just nuts isn't it just complete nuts isn't it but i mean maybe just the way my brain thinks but you think all the offices and nhs buildings are working because the the system's not set up properly i was sitting in a fight last night no? and the windows wedged open and like, it's about 25 degrees outside it's 40 degrees inside this hospital because the BMS don't work properly. Yeah. And should, this is what we're up against, isn't it? We the amount of energy whole... we waste in this country. Mm. As Rob said, we haven't got an energy crisis. We've got an energy usage crisis. Energy we? wastage crisis. Energy yeah. wastage crisis. We're not using it. Thing, like, once you fix, like, we, uh, we spoke in part one, I think, about energy efficiency and like how yeah. that's the first port of call. Once you've got energy efficiency sorted, in terms of the hierarchy, just making best use of waste here has mm. got to be next. That Facebook example is fantastic, Paul. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and there's, there's lots of stuff we could do in a country like that. And, and obviously, 
But then we've got to have the infrastructure and the, and the capital expenditure put in to having these housing estates and blocks of flats. So we've got the district heating system. So I know that there's a big drive to be doing away with gas in 2025. Mm. I think the drive should be that we shouldn't be putting individual heat sources into, into dwellings. District heating systems should be made mandatory. Well, so I, we I want to pick you up yeah. on that because that's an interesting point because we, we, in this country, we used to have a lot of district heat systems. Yes, I, mean, I, yeah. I, I live in one, uh, which is, so it used to be part of a, a hospital complex. It's where all the nurses would have, would have lived once upon a time, had a district heating system, got ripped out and individual boilers were put in each individual. And when I'm talking a lot of, lot of flats and we just ripped, ripped these district heating systems out, didn't we, Paul? Yeah, well, I mean, a little bit before my time, though, if I don't remember it, obviously. Not doing those, yeah. right? uh, <laughs> He's a liar. You've got a year on me. <laughs> I mean, the biggest one in London was obviously Battersea Power Station. There was a set of pipes just go under the Thames and feed the social housing block. Opposite, obviously, when the power station went, they lost the heat source. But um, there was a movement away from district heating systems, yeah? So... I don't know what that decision was. Was it political or whatever? But obviously, we did, we mothballed all these heating systems, and I'm, I'm, a lot of them worked fine. They worked perfectly well. So we got, in my opinion, we've got to go back to, that, especially in the social housing sector, where we don't have the, we don't have issues of getting into doing servicing work in individual dwellings. We don't have any issues of getting right of entry. You not you go around a service border. They've got no gas. Yeah, and we take all that away, and then. You either have a straight system or there's a HIU, which then can be situated even outside the property. It can be by the front door, can't it? Or on the balcony. So there's loads of ways, but obviously we need forward-thinking people. And then we can get to these energy centres, because they're not called boiler houses anymore. You've got, I mean, they're called energy centres, right? Boiler house doesn't exist. It's an energy centre. Right? And then we can have these multi-fuel systems, these hybrid systems going. And we can have our solar PV. We can have our, we can have our solar um, photovoltaic the heat batteries and with the, which they can be charged up to run the heat pumps and and then and the gas there is a backup on the really cold days and the hybrid system has got to be the way of the future mate surely it just makes plain sense doesn't it mm. yeah it does i mean how can how can sort of uh europe sort of help the uk a little bit in this uh in go i mean what sort of uh i think we've talked about this a little bit in part one but i mean the the, the what Europe has to offer is, I guess, a lot of experience on the bad things not to do. That's, I think, the, the most prominent thing you should tell people, not how it works, but more how it does not work. Does it work, yeah. If this is, you learn more from mistakes. So, so nevertheless, pay attention to what Europe has done, uh, what works good, look at countries and, and, and systems where you find interesting or inspiring. There are a lot of solutions all over the place. So, so if you look for, for, for what Paul has mentioned, the, the, the Facebook thingy in, in Denmark happening, you've got different solutions in Denmark, you've got brilliant ideas in Germany, in Austria, different scales, different types of system of district heating, different combinations of them. So have a look at them, get in touch with people, uh, just reach out. There are several networks that are on district heating only and could support you with, with know-how and, and things not to do um, <laughs> so this is something what I could just recommend get the people in invite them for a talk invite them for to uh, have some something like organize a field trips maybe to 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 let's say Austria 
get some, some experts, some planners, some, some people from the ministries on board and see what's actually possible. If they see that distributing is not something, something fancy from, from, from a fairy tale, but something actually down to earth and, and working and people like it and embrace it and say, this is something more what we also actually believe in that that's good for us because if you think about local value creation, if you get a small biomass plant, people are actually bringing their own wood in as wood chips, get some money back, look, create some local revenue. That they actually believe in that and they, they see it works. And then if you from the UK see that things are working on a small scale, on a medium scale, and on a large scale, like in cities for Vienna or wherever else, and bring that know-how and that the fact that it's working back to the UK and say, okay, people, we are not more stupid than the Europeans. Well, okay, well, debatable. Um, <laughs> um, but, but it's not something, something so super fancy. It's just hot water that you pump around. It's not a dark art, is it? I don't think there's a lot of understanding, actually, about heat networks in the UK. When I, I've only recently started the Heat Trust, and one of the first, the, the first question I was asked when I told people I, I was um, taking over the Heat Trust is, well, what's a heat network? And you sort of, the, I don't think there's a, the same understanding that there is in Europe, and I think that that's a barrier in itself. Yeah. So yeah. if we're thinking about how, what we, the growth the sector needs to deliver over, up through to 2050 in order to, for us to reach net zero, to decarbonize heat, I think one of the key challenges is around customer engagement. It's around sure. how we get customers comfortable yeah. with what a heat network yeah. can do, the fact that it can give them clean, safe, reliable energy, yeah. that it's something that actually you can think customers are starting to demand. They're not going to want the gas boiler. They're going to want to move to that development that's on a heat network. Um, we're just quite a long way away from that right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Definitely if you don't can can uh, let's say convince the customer the end user that this is something actually nice and sustainable and and, and really great and they don't build something like a trust in the technology you yeah. won't ever sell it you'd have to do some, some basic some marketing for, for district heating but but then on a positive side and not selling some junk but really saying okay this is something what is good for us it might have had a bad repetition in the past because of that and that and that but there are brilliant systems all over the place where you can learn from. And do you know what? Some of those systems are in the UK, by the way, and go as well. I know the, the Europeans, particularly like some of the ones you've mentioned, whether it's in Denmark or Austria, I mean, there's some fantastic schemes. But there are some really good schemes in the UK as well, which we think that the industry can be using as a case study of how things can work. I just think there's a communication and an engagement yeah. challenge about taking those examples and then telling people what the benefits are, to be frank. And now Nottingham is doing a lot. Uh, I think Edinburgh yep. has got to get something with heat pumps going on. What Dave Pearson is always talking about. Uh, mm. Okay, you're smiling. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just I can hear I can hear Nathan getting excited at the, at the sound of heat pumps. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, but, but, but there, there's some things, some local uh, first developments going on, and I think this should also be maybe be used in something like like such a marketing campaign. This is already happening here. In yeah. the UK, and then and, and, and people are trusting it and investing in it, and and people are talking about it definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. If, if you see I it mean, somewhere in front of you, not somewhere on the telly or wherever else, if you yeah. see this is actually working. We've just looked at a project. A customer's gone to us. Um, Ten flats. Um, they want to try and get some heat pumps in there. Sort of probably not really less upgrade with the building, but what we're now looking at is trying to get maybe. The heat pump to do the 0 to 60 part of the system and the gas or to 55 and then the gas boiler is going to kick in and, and top it up so that's it's, um, um 
we had a meeting last week about it. But again, it's just a way of starting, again, it's a hybrid system, and I keep getting on about it. But I think in these existing, especially the city centres, and we can't financially, I mean, got 10 flats, you're going to have to try and double glaze them, and you've got, you got planning issues because it's a great two listed building. I mean, you've got insulating the walls and the roof and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that that's the way we can do it. But again, this time last year, I, I didn't have one call, one bit of traffic to my site about heat pumps or anything. This this year, even in COVID, I probably had about seven inquiries. So I've gone wow. from zero to seven in six months. Mm-hmm. Which I know about, we're only a tiny little company, but it just shows the first is out there. People, could people think the gas network is going to get turned off in 2025? People think that out there. Like, mm-hmm. No, they're not going to turn it off. Just new builds are not going to have it at the moment. Let's see if that happens, yeah? Mm-hmm. But again, there's, there's misinformation, but the, the first for change is definitely there. That's okay. the Definitely. Who's, who's pushing, David, the discourse around heat networks? I mean, is it, I, mean I, know, I know you're at the heat trust with, but I mean, who's, who's driving this discourse around heat networks? I think, um, I mean, uh, to be frank, a lot of it's come from um, the, the government and the Committee on Climate Change started like saying that we're going to go for net zero. So before then, we, there was lots of people involved in the industry and these the developments were happening. But it, I really feel that the the, the the decision to put the UK on a path to net zero has really sort of turbocharged this. All of a sudden, we're getting councils and local authorities, cities coming and sort of saying, well, what's our net zero strategy? How are we going to do that? And, mm. and then coming to heat networks through there. And you guys already mentioned, like Nottingham, for example, there are others, whether it's Bristol or London, they're also looking at this. I think um, there is, there's also, like, you get housing developers, people that are building like new developments on the edges of towns, thinking, well, okay, well, if the gas connections are going to end by 2025 because of this push to net zero, what are the alternatives? And they're looking at things like heat pumps, yes, but also heat networks as well. So I just think it just shows you just how, like, if you can get the policy right, if you can just set a signal for the industry, people will go out there and build it. And I think we're really, hence why I think we're sort of on the cusp of something for heat networks. It doesn't surprise me, Paul, that you're getting more and more calls on it. One, one of the things I like, and we've mentioned consumers, it's, uh, we, I mean, most of all, Paul did, Paul was 60s. I grew up in the early 70s. And I think, <laughs> I got you there. I was, um, I was born in the 70s, mate. But, but community. So we, we sometimes hear that communities don't exist now. You know, no one talks to their neighbour, et cetera, et cetera. But, one of the things I do like about heat networks is I think people will feel part of a community because they're getting heated from something that they're all contributing to. You've got this central plant yeah. or whatever it is. It might have some solar thermal. You've just been with Sarah's going to say. It, it will have a, you know, your, your heat pumps. And you're all, you, you feel part of, a, part of a movement with where you live. And I, and I think that's something quite nice. I, um, so I think that could be a big driving force as well. I agree. And I think the other, I mean, one of the things that supports that, I think, is that we're seeing more and more public support and more and more public um, um, discussion about how do we tackle climate change. And you can imagine communities coming together around that and finding that there's a solution that they can, they can, they can have for their community, as in heat network. But again, if government want net zero, yeah, government have to pay for it, aren't they? Let's not beat back the wish. But there's all these technologies. But the other thing we've got to do, we've got to upskill the existing engineers. Mm. This is the other thing we've got to do, yeah. So this is a big sea change for everybody. Obviously, you've got to educate the consumer about what they're going to do. That Maybe their radiators won't be hot enough for them to fry an egg on it anymore because so they, they want to dry their, their washing. 
Like the, the radiated temperature is only be 55 degrees. But again, also we need to educate the engineers, don't we? Mm. Yeah. Well, I think that's spot on, Paul. I think one of the things that gives me a bit of confidence that will happen, I'll have a look at the companies that are coming into the UK now to, to really deliver this. And a lot of them are the companies that have either been involved in the sector for a long time, really understand heat networks. So they're the ones that are coming over from Europe that have got a real track record of building like just huge infrastructure, heat network infrastructure. And they're not only just bringing their money and their investment, they're also bringing their know-how, their capabilities. Oh. And they're looking at... How do we use that to develop the UK supply chains to expand the number of engineers that can come and work on heat networks? Well, I, um, what I was going to pick up on the, with that is with the training is, I mean, Paul, you, you, you're in the commercial sector. As you and I know, not many engineers get trained commercially now, do they? They, they come through sort of the domestic. Well, none do, do they? Whereas, I mean, one of the big, perhaps the lay person doesn't realise a little bit about orangey. So, we, so when Paul and I started back in, uh, he would have started 86, I started 87. Um, 86 when I started. There was a big change happening in the industry. And that change was, uh, central heating is a new industry. It's just 1960s industry onwards. And most people were employed by your big companies, your councils. And then the shift started to happen around about the time Paul and I became apprentices. You start to shift more over towards self-employed. So most heating engineers in this country now are self-employed. They used to be employed. And when you're employed, you go through this apprenticeship process. You, you, you learn kind of maybe a lot of commercial, a lot more commercial. The self-employed apprenticeship sort of, so I've taught a lot of apprentices, a hell of a, a lot of students. And most apprentices in plumbing and heating are going to be the son or the daughter of their father or mother. Um, and I mean, everyone thinks well done. this wonderful, wonderful thing. They can actually go wrong because there's a, you, you can have apprentices learning bad practice and, and, and perpetual. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's something I try and address because everyone says, oh, apprenticeships are great. Well, they're only great if your employer's teaching the, the up-to-date mm. current practices. And unfortunately, we don't see that. When they were employed, we did, because you know, great big employers were always keeping abreast of what, um, what was going on. Well, one of the, things, the worst things we've ever done in this industry was let British Gas split up and all their training centres sat. Because they needed to train. The British Gas apprenticeship was the best thing around. Yep, yep, right? yep. They had great trainers, great facilities, and for whatever reason, it was decided to completely disband it. Yeah? Oh. And, then, and then we brought in the MVQ, didn't we? But anyway... This is not a podcast about education. You can go on the right tangent there. But that's the problem. That's what I'm saying is, with this move to net zero, we, we need a government to step up here. I know they've got this thing COVID going on at the moment. Yeah, right. But we need, for this to work, this is what's going to happen. But again, we need joined up thinking from all parts of this industry, all the trade bodies, the manufacturers, the trainers, the manufacturers, the, the specifiers, and we all need to be have a common goal. We're going to try and push this net zero thing and meet our target, yeah? Because I know there's a lot of people not this industry now. So believe me, mate, I've, been, I've done some work in Europe and that, yeah? And everybody thinks the green is grass on the other side. No, yeah. Trust me, mate, it's not. We have got some of the top, top engineers in this country. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. We really have, yeah? We've got some rubbish runs as well, but so has everybody else, yeah? And um, we can do this, but we need the tools to do it. No, you're, totally, to you're totally right and, and as anyone that knows me well i'm all, a massive advocate of the engineers it's in, it's in our dna we have always had some of the best engineers in the world um <laughs> and it's in our dna and i always say that industries let us down they've dumbed us down consumers now don't value us i mean i'm, I'm valued about as much as a, 
as a carpet fitter or a painter and decorator. And that, don't get me wrong, great, great skills, but they do not have to know as much as what we do in our industry. We have to know so much. Um, and and like, I really mean that. You know, nothing wrong with being a painter, decorator or a carpet fitter. But the skills we have to know is phenomenal. And we forget them. If we're not trained constantly, we will forget them. And that's something I want to be addressing as well within training. And yeah, we've got fantastic engineers and they just need a bit of a, a leg up and, and support, really. <laughs> Coming back to the sort of the British gas. Now, you, you kind of worked with um, Capture, is that right, David? So they're, yep. they're now very interested in, in, in heat pumps as well, aren't they? And I mean, I mean, do, are, they get, are they involved with the big sort of district heating type stuff or are they still domestic? So, um, yeah, that's why I left Centrica um, at the beginning of the year. But I mean, I would, so what I would say is, is that, I mean, it's, they're not really, so the, their, their whole strategy has been more around moving towards owning more of the customer relationship. And so infrastructure and putting pipes in ground isn't, I wouldn't say it's really, um, at the moment, it's part of their strategy. But I, w I mean, I would imagine that you can like, actually owning the customer relationship of those people on heat networks and helping them manage and reduce their energy. I would have a guess that that might be something that could be of interest to the likes of a centric. Mm. Mm. And just to pick up your point as well, I mean, Paul, I mean, you mentioned about the engineering things. I know they still have the Academy up in Leicester. And I know they're still churning out some really good quality engineers, maybe not at the same sort of scale or rate as, uh, as we've seen in the past, but you can imagine that, um, an organisation like that might be interested in, well, how do we ensure that our workforce are, uh, are skilled up and have the capabilities to deal with low-carbon technology? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that would have been where your dad tried then, is it, Paul? Well, he, he was North Thames guest, so he would be he would have had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A big college, college at Pedderton. So... Going back to Ingo, what's going on in Austria at the moment? Anything exciting? Any projects un underway at the moment? Um, what What you see uh, now currently happening is, is more mm. towards demonstrating large scale uh, applications. So we've got one project going on currently that's called Temaflex uh, with twenty seven national partners, and what we try is to to have a number of demonstrators. I think seven or eight, where we try to apply and demonstrate and monitor all different kinds of applications. So we've got one on uh, waste heat usage from sewage. So we basically have got a heat pump down there, extract the heat and then supply a secondary grid. We've got uh, one here in, in the surrounding exterior. We've got a merger of two different networks existing already, but they just now have grown so far they have to match now but they've got all different supply unit one of them is fed by industrial waste heat and that waste heat is not there 24 7 all the way through so you shift electricity uh, heat from one side to the other so it's really a thing on the, on the controlling side uh, we've got several other things going on large-scale heat pumps up to 90 degrees uh, feeding into the main grid in Vienna as a demonstrator. So this is something what we are currently busy with. And it's just also showing that you can uh, make also large-scale networks more and more sustainable. I just want, to, just want to point out to the layperson listening to this. They might be thinking that a heat network is obviously a network and then it has centralized plants somewhere. But you can have networks which have got various plants dotted around sure. the network yeah. inputting heat. There might be a solar firm, one should dedicate to solar firm, sure. inputting there might be a biomass somewhere. And yeah, I just wanted to, what the layperson to sort of understand it. So I know that some of the big cities in Europe do have that, don't they? So, so you've got most often something like, like, like let's say, 
a hotspot where you've got a concentration of several plants being together. But for Vienna, it's something like 20, 25 different locations where the feed in heat may it be from, from, from waste heat, may it be from gas, may it be waste incineration or whatsoever. So also a smaller grid like here in Gleisdorf, you've got uh, one main point with biomass, you've got an uh, auxiliary gas boiler somewhere, you've got uh, solar thermal feeding in, but it's all over the network distributed. It also helps you sometimes just to, to distribute the load on the different supply units, but also to keep the pressure, keep the temperature and being just also flexible and resilient because if one drops out, uh, our king can basically jump in and, and, and do the job. I wouldn't, know, also, I wouldn't know this, David, but what, what, or does anyone know this? What is the biggest network we have in the UK? I mean, I'm, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't know, mate. I really don't know. I mean... <laughs> There's a number of big ones in London. Um, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm well, hard to guess. Park, Olympic Park is some big ones. Well, the Graham Park in North London was by um, in Hendon was was one of the biggest inside the because it's got the biggest plant room, isn't it? But I know obviously some of that's now been chopped off because they've redeveloped it. But I know I think that was one of the biggest. I mean, that done over a thousand homes. Did that just have that one centralised plant? Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. You can play football now, mate. It's ginormous. Well, you could try and play it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 uh. So you nutmeg you, pal, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to bring it to an end there because Paul started talking about football. We won't be able to stop him. Yeah, we won't talk about it switch, OK? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll just live here. I don't support them. But, um, I so I'd love, maybe I'd maybe love... one, one last thing from my side. Uh, there's the... A conference next year in the UK, in Nottingham, actually, the International GHC Symposium. So uh, maybe a chance to, 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 to get something, learn something. Yeah. That's, so that's, it's, that's it's, a, where's that at again, Ingo? In Nottingham. At, I'll, I'll, uh, at the university. Send me the details to that and I'll make sure I put the link in or the, the, the details we'll do. in, in, we'll in do. the podcast. That's because that'll be great for people to go to, wouldn't it? Yeah, we'll do. Uh, a, a network. So I'd like to thank all my guests, Paul. David, uh, Ingo, I'm sure they'll all be on the okay. game at some point. Um, we're going to be talking about, uh, I've got some other guests to come on to talk about uh, heat networks. Um, one of the things themes we'll be talking about is how we can use um, heat from disused mines. I know there's something going on up in Wales uh, with that. And I hope you all have a safe journey home. Paul, you're in your van, but you might actually be in your car park. But have a safe journey home, everyone. <laughs> I've got to go another call now, anyway. You're going out working, aren't you? Uh, thank yeah, you ever so much. Someone's got to do some work, Nathan. Oh, no. I'll just talk. Thank you very much. See you later, everyone. Okay. Thanks very much indeed. See you. Bye.